Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The New Testament lesson for today is from Romans chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. This can be found on page 1121 of your Pew Bible. In today's reading, the Apostle Paul describes the struggle with sin that is common to all believers. Only the power of Jesus Christ can set us free from the sinful nature within us. A reading from Romans chapter 7, beginning with the 15th verse. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Many of you have read Robert Louis Stevenson's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with the premise of the book, it's quite simple. There's this man living in London, a doctor named Jekyll, who creates a potion. And this potion allows him to turn into another man, Mr. Edward Hyde. Now, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, they could not be more different. Dr. Jekyll is pleasant well-respected, and kind. But Mr. Hyde is self-indulgent. He only cares about his own interests. And spoiler alert, by the way, you can't be mad at me for ruining the book for you because you've had 130 years to read it. (laughs) But Mr. Hyde, he ends up being a cold-blooded murderer. But what's interesting about the tension between the two is that first, Dr. Jekyll can control Mr. Hyde. But then, over time, he starts to lose control. And Mr. Hyde comes out whenever he pleases. This story follows a struggle between two personalities, or two wills, fighting over the same body. And for those of us that have come to know and love Jesus, this story is familiar. Because when we come to know and love Christ, we recognize that we now have two natures within us. We have natures at war. The first nature is the one that we're born with through our forefather, Adam. 
This is what we call biblically our sin nature. This nature is self-indulgent and self-seeking like Mr. Hyde. But at our new birth, we have a new nature implanted in us by Jesus Christ. This nature loves God's law and desires to do what's right and is selfless and wants to serve God and others. But the tension of the Christian life is this. Even after the new birth, Mr. Hyde seeks to come out. He seeks for control. And we've witnessed this over the past few weeks, even of our sermon series. We titled our series Wayward because Mr. Hyde makes us tend to seek our own way and to turn away from God. But the good news this morning that we see in Romans 7 is there's actually a solution to our Mr. Hyde problem. There's a solution to our conflicted nature. But before we get to that solution, we first need to take some time to actually define the problem. So that's where we're going to start this morning. And the first thing we see specifically in this passage today is that like the author Paul, because we have two natures now, we all struggle to do what we know is right. Let's take a look at that in verse 15. It says this, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I want you to remember who's writing these words. This is Paul. He's the author of 12 other books of the Bible. He didn't write just one book. He wrote 13. He's Mr. Apostle. He's probably the most prominent church father to ever live. And yet, because he's human, he faces a war, a battle within himself. And as he looks at his own behaviors, he says essentially this, I don't get it. I hate the things I'm doing. Now, I don't know about you, but I felt this way at many points in life, that I was doing something wrong and I hated doing it, and yet I could not stop myself. If you've ever struggled with an addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you don't have to be a recovering addict to get this. If anybody has ever tried to eat clean, you understand this as well. You say to yourself, I will not eat any Oreos today. I will not eat any Oreos today. And then 30 minutes later, you have the whole box open and you've emptied a whole sleeve. Now, we'd like to blame the Oreos, but the Oreos are not the problem. We are the problem. And that problem is rooted in that conflicted nature. Or here's another silly example. I'll say to myself, I will not go spend money on Starbucks today. I'll be good and I'll brew my own coffee. I will not go spend money on Starbucks today. I will not go spend money on Starbucks today. And then later that afternoon, I'm in front of Starbucks picking up my mobile order. Oh, wait, that's actually not me. That's my wife, Rachel. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> Throw you under the bus there. Now, these are silly illustrations, but the point is this. Our problem is not coffee or cookies or alcohol or sex or you fill in the blank. Our problem is us. You see, we are our own worst enemy. And friends, what we see in our text today is that you are not alone in your struggle. 
Some of you are here this morning and you're struggling with an addiction or a habit or a sin, and you've come to believe that you're the only one with that problem. And that's just not true. In fact, a man that wrote almost half the New Testament, he had struggles with his own behaviors as well. So, okay, we do the wrong thing. We eat the sleeve of Oreos. We drink too much. We lie. We look at pornography. We gossip. But why? Why do we do that? We know it's wrong and we hate it. So why do we have the propensity to do that wrong thing? Why do we have the propensity to let Mr. Hyde out? Well, Paul, he goes on to explain why in our passage this morning. And it's because we have two natures, one of them which tends towards sin. Let's look at that. In verse 17, he says this. So now it is no longer I who do it, this behavior, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh or in my body. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, first look, it might seem like Paul is denying his own culpability or responsibility for his actions. It might seem like he's blaming this external power of sin. But that isn't actually what he's saying at all. What he's doing is he's recognizing that every time he chooses that behavior he hates, that he knows is evil, that he's actually acting against his new nature, his true nature, his primary identity that was established in Christ. So what do I mean by that? Well, Paul explains it. When we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he puts it this way in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. Friends, when we come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we receive a new nature through him, a new identity. And for those of us that have come to surrender our lives to him, now the Father looks down on us, and he doesn't see Mr. Hyde. No, he sees Jesus' righteousness upon us. This is our true identity our primary identity. And what Paul recognizes is when he sins, when he does the wrong thing, he's actually acting against his own true nature. You see, as followers of Christ, we do have to own up to our own sin, our own evil behaviors, but we also have to recognize that the impulse to sin does not come from who we really are now in Christ Jesus. And Paul, he continues to tease this out. In verse 18, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So he's naming this old nature now, and he's separating himself from the old nature. And there's something for us to note about this old nature, this nature of Mr. Hyde. For those of you that are new to Christianity, I have some bad news for you. Although every human is created in God's image and they have infinite worth, invaluable worth, 
because of the fall, because of our first ancestor, Adam, rebelling against God, that image is now marred. It's broken by sin. You see, the Bible, because of our tendency towards sin, because of our first ancestor, Adam, it tells us that we tend to do the wrong thing. This is why you don't need to teach a child how to lie or how to be selfish, right? This is learned. They know it already. It's in their own nature. Now, we want to talk a little bit about sin because Paul uses the word sin here. Uh, In the Greek, uh, it means sin means to miss the mark. And in the biblical context, the mark is God's perfection, right? And when we do that wrong thing, that evil behavior, we miss God's perfection for us. But that's not the only thing that sin is. That's the act of sin. There's also capital S sin, which is the power of sin that we read throughout scripture as well. Jesus, he actually references both types in the gospel of John. He says this in John 8.34. He says, everyone who sins or practices sin is a slave to sin. So what he's saying is everyone who chooses that evil behavior, what happens when they choose it? Well, they actually enslave themselves to an outside power, an outside source. So what exactly does that look like? Well, it's easy to see with addictions, right? When you choose to drink a beer and then that beer doesn't satisfy, so then you drink two, three, four, five, and then you're drinking each night every week, you're enslaved to that habit. But also, it applies to smaller things, like lying. You see, when you lie, right, when you create something false, then that lie takes on a life of its own. And for everybody that's ever told a lie, you know how this works. Then you have to tell another lie to cover up that lie and another lie until you're enslaved to the very thing you created, right? And the more we practice sin, the more we become enslaved to its power. This is what Jesus is naming right here. And we've seen both components of sin throughout our sermon series. The people were wayward and they desired a king. And so they asked God for a king and he gave it to them and that caused all kinds of problems. And when we enslave ourselves to sin, it causes all kinds of problems in life. And I tell you about all of this, our tendency towards sin, not to make you feel bad, but so that we can be on guard and be aware that Mr. Hyde, he's always lurking and he's always waiting to come out. So this is important because I think many Christians, they stop right here. They become aware of their sin. They become aware of Mr. Hyde and then they get stuck with him. They never actually deal with him. And what happens is they get stuck in cycles of sin and they never get to the place God wants us to be, which is victory over those sin patterns. So why do we get stuck? Why do we not walk in freedom? Why do we miss out on victory? Well, in our passage today, we see two tendencies of the Christian that they use, that we use to deal with our sin that don't work. And the first thing we try to do is we try to deal with our sin by using the law. So Paul, he talks about this in verse 22. He says this, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. He says, I love God's law, 
But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Paul, he says, I delight in God's law. And not only did he delight in it, he knew it backward and forward. He knew everything that God said. And if knowing the law and loving the law had been a solution to the sin problem, Paul would have never sinned. But he still finds himself not being able to follow it. And you have to understand the main thing that God's law does is it shows us the standard, but it doesn't give us power to keep it. It reveals the standard, but doesn't give us power to maintain the standard. This is what Paul says earlier in Romans. He says that the law, it shows us what sin actually is. But when we try to find freedom from our sin problem in the law, all we end up is exhausted because we can't keep it. So that's one dead end that we look to in dealing with our sin. But there's another dead end in this text, what we see in verse 21, and that's we look to our own willpower to defeat sin. Let's take a look at that. Paul says this in verse 21. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, he says, I'm desiring to do the right thing. Evil lies close at hand. Paul, he's looking at his actions and he says, I desire the right thing. I will the right thing. And yet I know that I can't maintain doing the right thing. Friends, our wills cannot free us from sin. You see, it's impossible to maintain the battle against sin through our own will. And I believe many of us end up white-knuckling it through our Christian life, and we're miserable because we're just trying to get through it. I will not do this. I will not do that. And it just doesn't work. Mr. Hyde keeps showing up. And Paul, he comes to this revelation in the text. He realizes the law can't do it. His will can't do it. And he hits what we call in the recovery community a turning point or rock bottom. In other words, he sees the bankruptcy of his own strategies in dealing with sin. He sees that he can't do it. And then he turns to the only one who can. I love this in verse 24. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I then myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And then in Romans 8.1 he continues, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, the law is not a solution to our sin problem. Our will is not a solution to our sin problem. Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. We need a power outside of ourselves to free us from sin. And by the way, the AA community, they got this long before the church community did. Right? Part of AA is recognizing that you're powerless and you need outside help. You need divine help to save you, to free you from your addiction. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, okay, that's all well and good. Jesus frees me. But how? How does he free me from my battle with sin? How can he lead me to victory? Well, I have three really practical takeaways for us this morning, for those of us that are struggling 
with sin patterns. Three ways we can allow Jesus to deliver us. The first way we can allow Jesus to deliver us is by confessing our sin to him and to one another, right? We have to admit that there's a problem before we can receive healing and be made right. So if you have a sin pattern that you're holding on to this morning, I encourage you don't leave this building before you bring it to the light and confess it to someone. So the first thing is to confess our sin. The second thing is you need to pray more. Now, what a surprise, right? The pastor told you to pray more. But you don't need to pray more for yourself. You need to pray more for others. You see, a lot of us struggle with sin because we're so focused on ourselves. And we pray for ourselves for freedom, but it doesn't do anything. This is the beauty of intercession. When we start to pray for others, we stop being the focus of our entire life. And what you'll find is as you pray for others... God will bring freedom in your life. By the way, we have intercession prayer right after the service today. You can join Pastor Gina, and we do it each Sunday. And that's a great way to fight your sin battle is by praying for others. It removes you from the selfishness of Mr. Hyde. So confess your sin, pray for others. And then finally, uh, the last thing that we can do to free ourselves or allow Jesus to free us is by worshiping God. Have you ever wondered why for about two hours on Sunday morning, you don't have that propensity to sin as much as the rest of the week? (laughs) Well, part of that is because you are not focusing on yourself. For those two hours in the week, you're focusing on someone else, on Jesus and his goodness. This is what worship is. It's ascribing worth to something. And this is why personal worship, the personal practice of worship is just as important as the congregational practice. If you don't have a personal act of worship, I encourage you, get one. Figure it out. If you love hymns, pull up some hymns on your phone in the morning and worship God for five minutes. What you'll realize is that will reorient your day. It will refocus you and it will allow Jesus to fight those battles you've been trying to fight on your own. Friends, these are just a few really practical ways to fight, to allow Jesus to fight that battle of sin, to confess your sin, to pray for others, and to worship God regularly. And what you'll find is as you do these things, over time, you'll look back and you'll say, wow, God has brought me so far than where I was two years ago, or two weeks ago, or two months ago. And friends, this is God's desire for us. Because although we all struggle because of our two natures and we all try to seek these empty solutions to our sin, we have a true solution. And that solution has a name. His name is Jesus. Thanks be to God. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.